So as I mentioned last night, the, the Buddha gave many approaches to understanding or t and letting go of the sense of separate self, of me and mine, the eye-making and mind-making, sometimes referred to, and uh, pointing us back to the, the nature of things the nature of the body, the nature of, uh, of feeling, of perception, of uh, mental formations, of the, the nature of our senses. And when we really look, we see this, this constant ever-changingness. So with the senses, it's very interesting to look at the senses, or even just choose one sense. So it might be, you might choose, you know, I'm quite a visual person, so, so visual imagery is, is what comes first for me. Um, so to explore how, you know, how light, for me, that would be how light and colour and, and shape and form affect my mind, affect my sense of well-being, my uplift or not. And, uh, and just getting to know that that's uh, how that, that influence happens. <clears throat> and then being aware like sight is dependent on these, these organs of the eye, which are very delicate. I've been wearing spectacles since I was about 13 already. <clears throat> and, um, you know, one can lose one's sight. So it's like sight, visual imagery influences how I experience the world big time. And yet, it's it's a very ephemeral thing. Or sound, you know, we can be very affected by sound, and uh, we can we can believe that that sounds are disturbing our meditation. If only it was quieter, then I could meditate. But the sound isn't uh, coming in to disturb our meditation. Our mind is going out, getting involved in the sound taking issue with it, wanting it to be other than how it is, and then that's, it's that movement of the mind that's disturbing the meditation. And the meditation practice is all about coming back to what is happening here and now, and knowing it clearly and deeply, and learning from it. So there's knowing, and then there's, there's an, another level, which is, so there's like sati, which is just directly knowing, and then there's uh, sampajanya, having clear understanding, or panya, wisdom, using wisdom to understand more deeply what's going on. So all at, at any moment there, there's so much going on, and uh, I know when we first come from our busy lives into a, into a retreat setting, often the mind can get bored, it's like nothing happening, or, you know, restless, agitated. Um, and yet if we really pay attention amazing amount is going on right now. It's just we're, we're used to seeing in a different way. So we can direct our attention to, to one thing, just to one of the senses, and see how, how our relationship to that sense being gratified is you know, a huge part of how we function in the world. So it might be taste, or it might be sound or smell, or touch or sight. So to, uh, to take one of the senses and, and investigate 
uh, how that affects our sense of well-being or not well-being. And, uh, and also how the mind gets uh, snared up. So like if it's, it's around, if it's around uh, touch or sensation, you know, how the, the, the touch of, I don't know, the cushion being too hard or the, the room being too warm or too cold, how our mind gets ensnared in that. Rather than just knowing it, uh-huh, cushion's hard. A softer cushion would be more comfortable. And it's like this. And then we come back to, for example, the breath. And uh, recently I was reading about a man who... Uh, well, he had a very interesting life, but in, in part of his life, part of what happened in his life was that he was in a very bad car accident and almost died. And in fact, he was uh, you know, in the hospital, on a hospital bed, and experienced the classic you know, um, consciousness leaving the body and um, moving towards this, this light uh, along a tunnel. And uh, what came along with that, it was an immense sense of well-being. So, uh, and he was, he was actually a surgeon, this man, so he'd operated on many people. And he was just, and, and also he was an atheist, and still is an atheist. Um, but his experience, you know, from being a person who is concerned about having the conditions nice, comfortable, even fantastic. I mean, he had actually, he went from poverty to having fantastic conditions. Having really, really good conditions to leaving all of those behind just for, just for a short time. And, uh, and the experience was deeply, like deep well-being, peace. And he could see how his mind would get involved in, you know, in the feelings, in the in the sense, you know, in the in the sights, in the sounds, in the smells. And then when the consciousness left the body, as as it will for all of us at some part time, at the right time, we don't need to hurry it along. It'll happen when it's its own time. Then there's this letting go of the of the whole kind of package of self that we've that we've kind of bound up tightly in our lives. And uh, and the things that were once important are not important. You know the 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 little things, those little irrita- irritations, that can be relational. You know, people in our lives, or they can be to do with our body, how we feel around about our body, or around memories from the past, or fears about the future, or hopes about the future. All of those just become irrelevant. And uh, what this man experienced, and I think many people have had a similar, you know, it's been, it's been um, noted for, for decades, people who go through this same experience of, of going close to death, or even maybe dying very shortly and coming back. The, one of the, the, not everybody experiences it, but a kind of general universal quality is this, this experience of unconditional love. So we move from the, the separate self, the me and mine story, the trying to and trying not to, and you know all of that, into this unconditional love that, that isn't asking us to be anything. And, uh, and then there's this kind of relaxing into this unconditional love. 
I was interested that this man was an atheist, he had a scientist and an atheist, he had no religious interest really. And uh, and it reminded me of how, you know, we, we get so that the sense of self is so strong most of the time. And in a way we're required to operate from that place, you know. We have to kind of be somebody in order to function in the world. But uh, there's, a, there's a bigger reality that is none of that, that is, that is much greater than any of that. And um, when I look at the Buddha's teaching, I see him very clearly pointing to this uh, greater... I don't know, it's difficult to put a word on it, isn't it? I don't want to say place or state. um, So throughout the suttas, again and again, he he speaks about the stages of... of, um, different stages of meditation. It's kind of a formula of the the four jhanas that he speaks about again and again through the suttas, although he does also point to how they aren't actually all necessary, that one doesn't have to cultivate them. And then again and again and again, repeatedly throughout the scriptures, he speaks about the four Brahma Viharas, the four heart qualities of metta, friendliness, karuna, compassion, mudita, uh, having joy arise in the heart for the well-being of others, and upeka, the, the equanimity or evenness that is able to accept the whole... Um, what do you call it, you know, life. <laughs> the ups and downs, the rights and wrongs, the shits and shits, all of it, the, the craziness, the beauty of life. The upeka is the love that can accept all of it and knows all of it and knows the, the changingness of all of that. So when we move from the me and my practice or me and my life or me and my history or me and my hopes for the future me and my relationships, when we move from that into metta, there's relief. It's a, there's an opening. And uh, when we move from I'm cold, my back hurts, I wish my life hadn't been so difficult, into compassion, then there's an opening. There's a there's a connection with the the uh, you know the billions of other beings on this planet right now and in history. There's a there's a there's an opening from the small little self that's trying to make itself right, better, into the the greater picture. And when we when we have mudita joy for the well-being of others. Something so they say in, in the West, they say it's supposed to be the hardest one to cultivate. I always found it's kind of quite easy, actually. It's fun. <laughs> you know, you don't even have to be successful and you can enjoy the success of someone else. That's like, great. <laughs> you get a lot of joy. And then upeka. Upeka can be more tricky because we can have an idea of it as... Uh, so often it's translated as equanimity, so we can have an idea of it as this sort of evenness that, that never, never moves. And then we try to make ourselves even, you know, squash down the mountains and put something into the troughs. And, 
make it all even, and it doesn't really work like that. But it's more like a, a bird's eye view. It's like looking looking at a, a bigger picture of what's going on instead of being bumping around with all of the, the ups and downs. It's having a broader view and understanding, you know, that in this world, birth is paired with death. All that is born will die. Um, that health and sickness are, are two sides of the same coin. Uh, success and failure. You know, you can't be eternally successful. Um, they belong. They, they, you know, they move in and out of each other. Um, praise and blame. That was. A, I was interested when I discovered that you know, the Buddha saying, "No one has ever been." only praised no one has ever gone through their life receiving only praise because I, I know when I first came to the monastery I was always, I really didn't like being blamed for things it was really, really uncomfortable so I'd do my utmost to do things well do things right, do things nice, be kind, be proper so that I didn't get blamed and of course, you know then somebody can't stand you because you're like that <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't um, avoid being blamed or being disliked. It's just kind of how it is. Somebody's going to not like you or not appreciate what you're, what you're doing. And so I was really appreciative of finding that teaching where the Buddha says, no one has ever been only praised. Even the Buddha, you know, certainly he had a lot of criticism and attacks and slights and accusations, you know. So there's a certain freedom in knowing that. Then you don't have to try and make yourself a certain way for others, but you can live more from a... You can Then you start to find, well, what is true here? What is genuine here if I come back to what feels right, what feels like an authentic response? And you can more and more come from that place. And... Uh, Fame, uh, sort of wandering, wandering into the, the uh, eight worldly winds here. Fame and disrepute is another of the worldly winds. And in this era, you know, the the, the um, celebrity culture is so strong. So a lot of young people grow up wanting to be famous, want to be celebrities, they want to be special. And yet, uh, fame isn't the answer to happiness. And um, and it always goes together. You know, you're, you're beautiful, you're successful, you're wonderful, and then like, oh look, you know, you get those those uh, photographs of of how badly as film stars have aged. You know, this kind of thing. <laughs> so for a while you're great, and then you're oh look how terrible they are now. Look how flabby. Look how wrinkly. Look how grey. You know, it's like actually that's just what bodies do, it's totally natural but uh, you know you get, you get ra raised up as something special then you're going to fall at some point and that's just the way it is um, and then uh, pleasure and pain uh, also they come along with the body we experience pleasure through the senses and on a retreat like this it's like um, they're more, more uh, subtle pleasures in some ways. 
And we also experience pain, pain of physical pain or discomfort. And the same goes with the, with the heart-mind. We experience pleasure and pain on a heart level. And these, they just, they go together. So if we're looking for a life that's, you know, that only has the, the good bits, we're going to suffer. And if we think we shouldn't have either ups or downs and should just be even, we're probably going to suffer too because there are a lot of ups and downs in life. So upeka is, is like the, the view that can take it all in, that, that when we're on that high and things are really great, we know just for a little while it's like this. And when things are really rock bottom and we wonder how we're going to get through it, we know for a little while it's like this. And it's maybe been like this before, or maybe this is the lowest we've ever been. But uh, the nature of, you know, the nature is to, to keep going. So Upeka doesn't, uh, isn't broken and isn't elated, it's, it's knowing, being with, loving, loving all of it, having, having a, a great heart that can receive all of it. So just coming back for a moment to that image of the, the man dying on the hospital bed, he was a surgeon himself, and experiencing that unconditional love that was present when not caught up in the, in the sense world. It's like whew, relief. And I'd just like to bring that as an image for you to explore your own relationship to the sense world, to the senses, and to the sense of being somebody, a separate someone here. And... Um, you can, uh, later on today, I'll bring in some meditation practices around the heart, but I think many of you already have some. And if not, you, everyone here has a heart. <laughs> so you just to, to drop down into the heart space and recognize, though, how is it here? Is it, is it small and tight? Is it trembly? Is it, like, relaxed and open? Just get, get to know the heart, get to know the movements of the heart. And, uh, and take this time to just drop down and meet what's here. And give it some gentle, warm space. And invite it to open and relax. Invite your heart to open and relax. And from that place... As, as the heart starts to relax, not from a forcing, but from an opening, relaxing, then we can start to let the heart expand and, and open up to that sense of friendliness to ourselves and to others here in the room, regardless of whether we know each other or not, or like each other or not, but just, a, just like a, a common humanity, a friendliness, a welcome. So... Uh, it opens us out of that narrow experience that's always trying, always trying to get or to get rid of. So sitting, feeling your body, 
feeling the the presence of your body sitting here on this spot. And recognizing how the thinking mind tends to steal the show a lot of the time. And so we're sharing things out a bit more here and bringing attention down into the heart space. If it helps to touch your heart area, you can do that. And whatever you find, you know, you might find a heart that feels all beaten up. You might find a heart that's warm and open. Whatever you find, bring that sense of kindness, spaciousness, warmth to your heart area. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.